I got something to talk about. This world is messed up and crazy. How I'm supposed to know? How I'm supposed to show? Afraid you see me, then afraid you let me go. Somebody paid me the way. I'm just trying to grow. Start a fire, let them see the smoke. Angel wings in the streets of gold. Loose change, gotta pay the toll. And it's a rocky road. They try to tell you to stop. They don't want you at the top of the spot. You gotta take it. You gotta, take it. You gotta make it. You gotta break it, chains. Gotta break it, chains. You gotta break them 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 chains. You gotta break them. Gotta break them. Gotta break them chains. You gotta break them. Okay. Hello. Hi. Ultimate Bachelor here with Real Talk with Nina. Real Talk with Nina on everything instagram youtube facebook all that stuff um she has a microphone still and we can hear her (laughs) so we should all be happy you totally should so we are going to talk about what a couple different things sexual health sexual fluidity how we talk about stis with our partner the amount of partners we've had, well, not us personally, but like how we bring that up. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's, mm, I don't know where to start there because after you said that last part, I want to start there, but. So start there. So the conversation about how many partners you've had, I, I know people do or have different mindsets on that. Right. And yeah. some people, I feel like the less partners you have, the more you want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, and I think that goes both ways too, because you could feel like, oh my gosh, if, if I say that, you know, my current partner's only my second one, maybe that you feel like embarrassed. Or if you say, oh my gosh, my current partner is my 60th one. What if he thinks, you know, that I'm disgusting? Like it can go both ways. I keep seeing the reflection of my laptop and my glasses. That's going to drive me nuts. It's only driving you nuts. So (laughs) you, you don't have to worry about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big conversation because it, it does so many things. Like you said, it can cause embarrassment. It can cause, it can promote shame. Yeah. Um, it can promote bullying in a relationship, to be honest. I've mm-hmm. seen that as well. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Talk to me about that. Well, just one person making jokes about the other person either having a lot of partners or not having a lot of partners. Oh, oh, yeah. And not understanding that that's, you know, a sensitive subject, if, especially if they're not the one who wanted to talk about it. Right. Right. So, so, um, so what's your take on it? I does, does it bother think, you? It doesn't bother me to hear and it doesn't bother me to discuss, but at the same time, I'm not going to take any shit from someone if we have the conversation and they don't like whatever answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I'd rather just not um, discuss it, to be honest, just because, you know, even if I don't have a huge problem, I still don't want to think about it. I just don't want to think about it. It's, it's in the past. There's, there's plenty of stuff that, you know, goes on in your past that you don't talk about. So why is this, you know, though it, I get it, but why is this something that you just decide that you need to know and you get to know the answer to? Oops, my light went out. Hmm. Oh, jeez. That's just technical difficulties here. Um, why do you think people want to know? Like, what are your, why do you think that does come up in relationships? Because they want to know... If to me, I think they just want to know, I I guess it goes several different ways. They want to know what the kind of competition they have, if they're insecure about what they're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. and the other person has, has had so much experience. You're like, dang, like what a, you know, there's that. You also want to know if you've been with, you know, if you're hooking up with a whore, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And so there's that. Um, I, I think those are the main two. Yeah. Correct. Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think those are probably the big ones. I think sexual health speaking, um, you're really almost kind of, although it's not necessarily an accurate way to figure it out, but I think you're kind of 
deciding what your level of risk is um, by being sexual with someone, depending on how many people they've had. Uh, And, and yeah, I do think it's kind of like a, what number am I? Like, you know, and, you know, and, but. You're the only one I have sex conversations with, by the way. That's good. What's your number? (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you that. Okay. I can't tell you that. Not not on the air. And you know what's interesting is you I might feel be- like you've said that you've had group conversations. So you're doing like group things. I'm sorry? <laughs> you're you're having group conversations, group sex conversations. Wait. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. I've had group sex conversations. What does that mean? Yeah, like you've given little group sex talks. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like you're telling me that I've been involved with group sex. And I was like, um. Group sex conversations. Conversations. And I've only been on one-on-one sex conversations. Okay. So you're comparing how many people I've spoken to about sex. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not comparing because there's, oh. no, com- there's no comparison. <laughs> I am much more of a respectable sex talker. And you'll talk about sex with anybody. It's my career. Well, right. I think you should <laughs> change as, that <laughs> as a mother and a wife. You should maybe look into that. Not that I'm judging, though. So move on with the conversation. <laughs> um, no, I think we should stay right there. You see, you see, this kind of conversation right here is exactly why I think you shouldn't talk about it because this is exactly how the conversation would go. If well, it, let's if, we'll go back. So you have a problem with me being a mother and a wife talking about sex. No. Are you being serious? Yeah. Emulating how the sex conversation goes when you talk about your number of partners. (laughs) Okay. I was like, and this is why I do what I do because that is bullshit. Well, you probably shouldn't say bullshit around your kids either. So They're not home. (laughs) I'm joking. Anything else? You were getting legit mad, but that's exactly why. I, I don't was. Think, I don't. I don't think you should have the conversation because I don't. Uh, one. One per. Well, I'm yet to see a time when both people want to have the conversation, which means that one person doesn't want to, and is is. It's just. I think it's just a recipe for disaster. I. I have to agree. I've actually never been in a relationship where both of us feel the same way. Um. And it's interesting because just with my husband now, um, we totally are different on this. Um, He doesn't want to hear about anything in my past um, because having nothing to do with the numbers, like even if it was one which clearly it is, but like, even if I was only with one person before him, he doesn't want to think about my life pre him. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's exactly my thought. Like, I I don't care how many it is. I don't care how good or bad it was or or anything. I just don't, I don't, I just don't want to know anything. Yeah. Nor nor should I. What? I mean, why, why, why is that any of my business decisions you made before me? Right. like you could have been crazy, but now you're not. So right. what is that? What what relevance does that have to my life now? And right. and the life if you wanted to if you wanted to know me and judge me when I was crazy, well then you should have known me then. Not you don't right. get to judge me now based on whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um. So he because I was like, is it is it weird just like picturing me physical with another guy? He's like, honestly again, it, the number doesn't matter. It's cause like I could say anything to my husband now about another guy, like, Oh, so-and-so is really hot or, Oh, I bet he's really good in bed. It doesn't phase him at all because mm-hmm. he's, he's my, I'm, you know, we're, we're together, but I don't want to say he's mine. I'm his cause I don't do the whole ownership thing, but we're married. So we're part of each other's lives. Now this is like current, you know, he knows like, I hate saying I'm his, but you know what I mean? Like, this is not, this is not, 
separate from my life with him. So by me talking about other men right now, like current men I see at the gym or something like that, it doesn't phase him at all. Right. But the second I say something about like, oh, my boyfriend in high school, we blah, blah. He's like, yeah, Nina, I don't like that's pre-marriage. Like, can we not, I don't want to know about you before I met you. You know, it's like, whereas I'm, I'm totally the opposite. I think it's super hot when he, if you were talking about his past. <laughs> um, I've never had a girlfriend that thought it was super hot. I think you're actually a weirdo. And that's probably why you talk about sex with so many different people. Mm-hmm. So um, Most you're, likely, just, yeah. you're just not normal, but. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I think. I love it. I think, I think with, uh, oh, okay. Talk that's to me. Good. I'm glad Matt's a good dad. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> What uh, what I think happens most times when you have that conversation is people are picturing you doing with other people what you do with them. Yeah. Which yeah. may not be the case. And, and hell, I guess it may they may have done it better. So when they think about them, they're not even think, thinking about anything related to you. But, that's true. Uh, but I think that's the issue that people run into when they th- talk, think or talk about the past. So, mm-hmm. You just you should just avoid it sexually avoid it because I and actually we're talking about sex and I think sex gets a bad rap with that because if you talk about like how good dates used to be with an ex that's gonna piss off your partner too yeah yeah or anything your your ex used to do yeah I I was shown a meme the other day where it said fuck the shit out of me and talk shit about other bitches it's simple. Obviously, it was a girl sharing the meme, but I feel like that's what girls want, is you to talk shit about other girls and do them right. Um, again, like, I'm weird. and not Yeah, you're weird, so I can't talk to you about this. So, so, no, that's what's so awesome about me, is that I usually have a different perspective than... And, and because you're so humble. I really am. <laughs> I'm just as humble as you are, Alex. So, it's... To me... If Matt were to trash talk other women, um, like often, uh, it's actually a turnoff. Like I I don't like drama or gossip or like shit talking. It makes me actually look like down upon. Yeah. But no, no. But like, I'm also human. So let me just, let me add to this too. Yeah. If, I know you think I'm like a cyborg, but I'm not. So if there's, let's say, a girl, a woman that I am um, feeling some sort of internal conflict with or something like that, and he says something about her to the extent of like, oh, I could never sleep with her, she's blah, 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 blah. Does that make me feel a little bit more at ease good or good? Yeah, it does, for sure. Right. Um, but to actually like trash talk other girls to me i'm like like if if you're a trash talker about people like what are you saying about me that's just me but i understand what the meme is talking about i do i've got you can go be a dad go ahead no he's in here oh and i don't know what he, i don't know what he means he's just miming yeah. <laughs> oh anyways um, I get in trouble for not talking enough trash about other girls, to be honest, just cause I don't the same, I think the same way I don't want to get involved in the gossip, nor do I really care about right. anyone that, um, well, anyone in general, but myself. So oh, that's, that, you've made that like really clear actually yeah, since like the day. Yeah. Or, or that's not true. I care about people who can do stuff for me. That's true. That's true. And you care about people who are attracted to you and fall all over you and who like who would leave their husbands for you i think you care about those people listen don't bring our issues <laughs> our offline issues well i guess that was online, <laughs> don't, wasn't bring, offline. <laughs> that, don't bring that here because i'm still working through that in my head so but yes i think i think uh all these types of conversations are are interesting because i don't know I mean, we're, we're talking about what is probably the best way to go about it, but I don't know that my way is is necessarily right because, because I'm also about being completely open and honest. Like if you ask me a question, I'll answer your question, but I'm really not going to deal with 
any backlash I get from answering your question honestly. So with that said, like I'll have, I'll have whatever conversation. I won't feel bad about my answer. And I may even have the conversation, like not even ask you for your side of it, which I think bothers people too. It's like, you don't care. I'm like, no, I don't. I, you know, well, well, especially I think if like you, if you say something that upsets them and now they feel like they have to save face. So they're like, all right, so ask me, I'm going to tell you about what I think about so-and-so. And you're like, I'm yeah, like, I'm I, good. I never asked you. <laughs> what kind of ice cream do we have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that is interesting, Alex, because um, you're similar to Matt um, in that in that way where I've learned that if I ask Matt a question, and this is the kind of relationship that I require, no matter how difficult it is to hear, but I need an honest answer because- right the more brutally honest you are with me, the less insecure I will feel about anything. So if, if I ask if you think someone's attractive and you're like, oh yeah, she's got a great ass, I'm like, awesome. It doesn't upset me nearly as much as the wondering what he feels about so-and-so. Like that, I don't, I don't like that feeling. Mm, Just tell me. Yeah, yeah. But I again, that's me. Yeah, that's you because I think there's a lot of girls that would ask the question and still get upset. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and there and I think a lot of it depends on how you feel about yourself. Like there are absolutely times in my relationships where that would not have have gone over very well. And that has to do with how I feel about myself. But I'm at a point in my life, you know, at 22 years old, which I am. Yeah, duh. Um, that I mean you're obviously going to be much more mature than you were 4 years ago at 18. So Right. Exactly. So I feel like at 22, I feel like I'm really wise now and I am comfortable with my body and all of the, you know, beautiful imperfections and what I can bring to the table. Actually, I don't know if I still have it up here. For Christmas one year, Matt got me, um, he took one of my headshots that I had. It was kind of a sassy picture. It was like kind of a resting bitch face-ish. It was an outtake, but he got it. And um, he put a text on it and then got it blown up. And it said, what's the quote? You might've heard before. It's like, um, oh shit, where is it? Um, Oh, it says like, I know what I bring to the table. So something like, so please understand that I'm okay eating alone. Or something like that. Like basically saying, I don't, I don't need anyone. I'm okay just on my own. Right. So, um, and that's the kind of woman that I've grown into. I was not always like this for sure. And there are moments where I'm not. But I think one of the most important things in a relationship is to not need your partner. And that, so, that might. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that gets into relationship stuff outside of sex, but I'm, I'm always ready to have that conversation right there because I think that go, I think what people don't do enough of is give serious, serious thought to how everything intertwines. Right. So your happiness, your relationships, your, your sexual health that we'll talk about Mm -hmm. your uh, career, your, your, um, your everything. Right. And, and, I, and for each one of those, the way they intertwine, I'm going to get potentially deep here, or I may ramble. We'll see. That's okay. I like both. <laughs> but, um, and I have like an example of how they intertwine, right? So when you talk about um, your relationship and what, what, what did you just say? I just want to make sure I say it, you know, answer it exactly how you said it. Just like, you don't, you don't want to need someone. In right. You don't, right. So you needing someone. someone. Exactly. Meeting someone in a relationship. So to me, I think you have to make yourself as happy as possible. You have to complete yourself before you can be in a relationship. And that's why I, that's why I'm always torn on people getting married too young without having experiences, right? Because one, you haven't completed yourself because you haven't even supported yourself. You haven't done all these things. You haven't mentally matured all the way. And then on top of that, you're going to change as well. So you may complete your 23 year old self and then marry someone or 25 year old self, whatever age you want to put it and marry someone as your 25 year old complete self. But then as you grow, then you're incomplete again. So then I'm always talking about you have to grow together in a relationship. But aside from the growing together, I think, 
you have to be fully complete and not need anyone. And that's where I think you hear about um, love as a choice, marriage as a choice, all that thing, because you don't need them. You, you don't need them for, for what you can, you know, for just to live they're, right. they're It's even better because they're just icing on the cake. Right. Right. And I think that that's something that, so the other day I was just laughing with a friend about this. I never saw myself as a woman who got married young, but I was 26, not even. It was, okay. a couple, it was a couple months before my 26th birthday that I got married. And I, I thought I had all my shit to, like, I thought I was so, I didn't see myself as young at all. And so, and looking back, I was probably <laughs> the furthest from complete or self-aware than I've ever been in my life. Um, so, and I think that's the story for a lot of people that get right. married. And I think that's why the divorce rates that like, keep climbing is because I think we're, we're, we're having this struggle between what we're told marriage is supposed to be like, whether it's through religion, just society, you know, friends, family. And then when we're in it, we realize like, uh, this is, this isn't what I signed up for. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I didn't know this and this and this and this and this was going to happen. I didn't know we were going to have problems with this or this, or I didn't know I was going to change 75 times before the day I die. And so I think what I've gone through in my marriage is having to navigate that self-awareness and that self, you know, completion that you mentioned with a partner right. is not easy. No, no. It's not easy because you're constantly having to think, and he deserves this from me, but you constantly have to think about another person and how your decisions are going to affect them when you're trying to look out for yourself, but you kind of have to do it thinking about somebody else as well. Like, that's hard. That's hard. Um, I, think, I, think, I think it's the opposite, actually. If we're going to debate, I think the problem is when you're married, you think too much about the other person and you forget to complete yourself continuously. So that's what I'm saying is the hardest part about marriage is for me was that I was not self-aware or or personally developed. Okay. Okay. I thought you were saying the opposite. I thought you were saying the hard part is having to think about someone else all the time. No, no. The hard part is trying to do that while you're, while you kind of, Oh, your partner right, some okay. some right. some like awareness like hey I know that I'm going through this but I know that I can't you know go move to Dubai because I think I'll feel you know more complete like I have sure. a husband I have kids like it is really hard to um, and again like you said Alex even if you feel like you're you know you're standing on two feet in ten years you got quicksand again and now you're like struggling all over so I think it's still really important to constantly look at again people might people might not agree with this and that's okay my my job is not to make you change your opinion it's just a shared perspective but it's that I don't look at marriage as two people becoming one I didn't not at all Uh, I think I think I struggled with that because that's what I kept trying to do and I kept trying to, like, we don't, we don't like the same things. We don't, you know, parent the same way. Like, we're supposed to be, like, the same. Like, we're supposed to be, right. you know, best friends and, 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 like, kind of, like, merge into one entity. And, like, that, you're going to lose yourself. And then you be, that codependency happens. And then, you know, I just... I don't want a clone of me. I want a parallel partner that I can help him grow as a human. He can help me grow as a human, you know, and that's. um, And and I think what you're talking about is this, this thing about being selfish. Like people think that you're selfish because you look out for yourself. Like I, it, all the jokes we make about me being <clears throat> selfish and self-absorbed and I mean, I don't know, keep them coming. There's plenty. Because <laughs> um, I'm probably all of them, but my argument is that everyone should be that, right? Tell me, tell me what sense it makes that, that you're not happy at any time in your life 
why is it okay that you're not happy? Like, tell me where, where that, like, because I'm sacrificing for someone else, because I'm, um, because it's what other people need. It's, I, I don't know. There's, there's no situation in my head. Like, if you stop and think about it, like, it's okay for me to live my life. And I explain it this way. Is it okay for me to live a week unhappy? Like, is it okay that, that I just for a whole week, I'm unhappy, right? I, I, like, if you ask someone, would they want me to be unhappy for a week? They'd probably say no, right? Then I'm like, okay, so what if I was unhappy for a month? And you think about that in your head, like, that sounds terrible. No, I wouldn't tell you. Or what if I was unhappy for a year? Unhappy for a whole year. You know, mind you, you know, out of each week, maybe two of the days I'm okay, and the rest of the days I'm just not happy. So then think about being unhappy for five years. Mm-hmm. And that's what some people call their marriage, right? Or 25 years or 40 years. Like, right. Unhappy. And, and, yeah. And, and so to me, it's like, don't call me selfish because I am in control of my happy and I go about doing what I need to do to be happy. And then I'll take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't mean there's no give and take there. That doesn't mean there's any balance. But in, in, all, in everything I do, I'm going to worry about if I'm happy because when I'm happy, I'm able to perform and give and, and do everything for everyone else more. And I think I do actually in the grand scheme, give more care, more and all that stuff, because there's no void in me. And I think, you know, the relationship and that could be related to everything in a relationship, even in sex, right? Like, I know what makes me happy. I'm going to do the things that make me happy in sex. And then I'm also give to the other person. Fortunately, for whoever I'm with, giving is what makes me happy. (laughs) Right, right. I think, um, I think that's awesome, Alex. I think it's a it's a great perspective, and I know we do joke a lot about your <laughs> about your charming personality. Um, and it, it is because my personality is every bit of what we joke about, and and I don't think it, we even exaggerate it when we joke about it, and it's intentional. But I like I like that you own it, right? So like yeah. I don't look at people like oh, I have more respect for people who own who they are, regardless of, of how other people see it. So I, I think, yes, we laugh a lot about it, Alex, but I also know that people who are with you know where you stand. And that's right. something that um, I find respectable. And, and so, you know, and I remember growing up, um, I was like that with jobs. So every two or three years, I'd quit a job and I'd be like, I don't like it. It just doesn't yeah. make me happy. And I would hear the same shit over and over again. Like, Nina, you can't just keep popping around. You can't just quit when you're unhappy. Right. And I remember saying, even young, like in my teens going, why is it so okay and so accepted with so many people that you don't like your job when you're there 95% of your life? Like, I don't, right, right. I just don't get it. And and so, I mean, literally up until three and a half years ago, that's, I was just hopping job to job to job. And I'm like, I would work my way up and then I would get stressed and miserable or have a toxic boss. And then I would get like sick. And I'm like this, and people go, oh, it's just a job. I mean, everyone feels that way. Just like leave everything at your job. I'm like, still like people, why are you guys accepting this? So right. it's the same with relationships. And there are times in, I'm assuming, everyone's relationship where they accept things. There are certain things that, yeah, sometimes you have to accept and it's not a make or break as far as your happiness goes. So let me give an example. Like there are things that I know (laughs) Matt has to accept about me. It's not a make or break his happiness, but like, would he prefer it not be the case? I'm sure. And vice versa. Um, But I always say in a relationship, the basic rule that I've tried to follow for myself is it isn't about being right. It's about being right for each other without sacrificing your values or happiness. So, you know, for example, like Matt wanted, Matt used to have a motorcycle when we did not have any kids. And then we were in a pinch for money and he sold it. And I said to him, don't worry, babe, like you'll get one, you know, we'll get back on our feet and you'll, you'll get one. And then we had kids and I was like, you're never getting one again. Like, I can't handle the, like, the fear of losing you when we have kids. And that caused, that caused some problems. Right. Um, and it wasn't about a freaking motorcycle. It was the larger picture. You know, he was looking at it like, I've had my motorcycle license since I was 17. It's what makes me happy. I love it. 
it, it does so much for me and you're not allowing me to get one because you're afraid. Like that's not fair. And, um, we had to work. I mean, he just got it, Alex. Like he just got his motorcycle and we got rid of it over 10 years ago. So that's how long I tried to hold it off for. And it got to the point where he finally spoke up and said, mean, this is actually going to cause resentment. And I was like, you know what? I need to be right for you in this situation. I don't have to be right. It's not about me being right. Could he get into an accident and die? Absolutely. Could he get into an accident and become a quadriplegic? Yeah. And that is not fair. If that's what he wants to do to make himself happy as a human, it is not selfish. It's actually more selfish of me to keep from doing that. So I think that that's an example, uh, not sexual related, but that's just the, a mindset in a relationship that I've learned is more productive for, for me, uh, you yeah. know? So that's funny you bring up that because then every time I have this conversation with someone, I shouldn't say every time, most times I have this conversation with someone, it goes into something like that where it's an example of a sacrifice you need to make, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have, I have a rebuttal for that. Not that you did it the right way, wrong way, whatever, because there isn't. It's in, it's in every relationship, right? But in that specific instance, I think it comes down to what makes you more happy, right? Yes. So to me, it's is a, does having kids, do, do our kids or a motorcycle make you more happy? And, and I would say, answer that honestly. Like, the, is our, does our kids or having a motorcycle make you more happy? Does... Does our kids having the childhood that you want them to have make it more, make you more happy, right? And it's like, well, he's probably going to answer kids. Hopefully he does. Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't, I, probably, I might like him more. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so in that instance, and this is a great example, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to beat up on him, but it's just an easy example to give. It's like, okay, so would you take all of our money out of our bank account and go put it on red at a casino? And he'd probably say, no, well, that'd be dumb. Why wouldn't I do it? Why would I do that? And it's like, well, if, it, if you go out on a motorcycle, there's a chance you could, you know, die on a motorcycle. There's a bigger chance you could die on a motorcycle than there is in a car, obviously. And because there's so many factors you can't control, right? So it's like, okay, so say you put it on red, you have 49 odds or it's like 48% odds. Okay, let's not say you did that. Let's say you took all of our money and go put it in something where you have 30% chance you could lose it all. It's like, no, I probably wouldn't do it. Okay, took all of our money and you had a 15% chance you would, could lose it all, right? No, I'm probably not going to do it. That's the conversation that I would have there. Does it make you, then the flip side of that is, does it make you happy when, when, when I don't have to worry that I'm going to do, you know, be a single parent, all that stuff. And this can be related to any conversation. I just related it to the example you gave, but that's where conversation, and, and once again, we come back to the same theme every time, conversation, communication, all those mm-hmm. things. But that's where I think the conversation has to go because I think people forget what, what you're doing and what makes you happy. They forget other things that make them happy too. So like, like I said, when I say I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make myself happy, that no one is thinking about the fact that sometimes me giving or doing for others also makes me happy, mm-hmm. right? It's just, I'm not going to sacrifice my happiness or I'm, if I don't have to, I'm not going to sacrifice my happiness. Fortunately, right. once again, and, and I think that's with anyone giving and, and making other people happy. The ones you care about happy also makes you happy. So um, I think people trying to look at it as too black and white instead of saying, Hey, you know, there's other routes to get to where you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and everything, I think. So, yeah, you know, and, and we had that conversation, Alex, you can imagine. So literally 10 years going back and forth and I was so adamantly against it. Like it's so selfish. Like if, if I lose you, I have two kids on my own. I've lost the, like the partner that I adore. Like, how is this fair? And we went back and forth for a really long time. And, um, like literally it came up in my therapy because I was like, I don't want, I'm really big, especially because of the way I live my life now. What I preach is don't live in fear because that's how I lived my whole life. And Matt said, Nina, I could die in a car accident tomorrow. So do you not want me to take my car to work? Like, what do you want me to do? So I said, look, um, 
I, I said to him, I, I understand that neither of us, we're really big on resentment. So if any time sure. one of us feels it's one of those emotions, and I talk about this with, with clients and just with people, resentment is, is a huge killer, which is, it's huge in, in sex lives. Right. Um, but, uh, and he said, you know, I know that you're really concerned and I don't take your concerns lightly either. So I said, so is there any kind of happy medium on this one? And so we came up with, so Connecticut doesn't have a helmet law. Um, but he always wears his helmet. He has protective gear. He only really drives to and from work. He doesn't drive uh, or doesn't ride in bad weather. So like there are just certain things that, right. and, and I've right. come to terms with the fact, Alex, that. He doesn't really care about his family. <laughs> are you done? I'm, well, I mean, I'm just being, I'm just going to point out all his bad stuff because I'm still upset that I'm not even a threat. I'm not even I, a threat. I know. I know. I know you're still upset about that. So I'm going to take everything you say with a grain of salt, but um, he does care about his family, but, uh, but I also, oh, I know he better or those kids are never going to make it. <laughs> Cause I'm such a great mom. Cause you told me that so many times, right? I, I didn't say anything. I just said, I'm really glad he's a good dad. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Um, that I also don't think that um, parents should live for, is, you know, for their kids. I also agree with that. That's like I, I said, that I doesn't make me happy. I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not, but that's how I used to live. And not only did it cause horrible mental health. And you used to live like that, like for your yeah. kids? No, no, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not good. Um, literally to the point where like, if I did not, um, I still get feel a horrible guilt too when they like ask me to lay down with them and I'm like, Oh, I really just want to like be with Matt or, you know, I just want to go to bed. I just, and I would go back and I would like hold my ground. I'd go back into bed and I'd be like, Matt, I can't even be present with you. Like I like, what if something happens to the kids in their sleep? I, the last thing they're going to remember is me not laying down with them. So like, even now I'm like, yep, I'll lay down with you. Um, but yeah, it was like, I, I, I needed to be everything and anything. Um, for my kids. And, and that isn't me as a person. It just right. isn't, I, I wasn't, um, I don't look at myself as, Oh, I was born to be a mom. I'm, I'm lucky to be a mom. Um, but that's not, doesn't define me right. personally. Um, they're not, you know, there are some women who define themselves as, as a mother and that works for them. It didn't work for me. Um, and I I think I, I think a lot of that is cultural too, regional and cultural. Oh yeah. In that, um, foreign families don't do that as much as American families have been trained to do that. And I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe because the American dream, I guess I, the quote unquote American dream. Um, but uh, but I I'm I, I I don't see that. Like in my family, it's not like that. My parents never made me feel like it was like that not that i don't feel love i didn't feel loved i feel so amazing still so amazingly connected to my parents but i never felt like i was more important than they were to each other right and that's that's how i grew up like i didn't look at my parents as playmates they were my parents like they provided right. for me they helped me with my homework uh they drove me places they made sure i was healthy that they made sure i was safe um like i never and I've even asked my parents, like, did I always ask you guys to play? They're like, no. Right. Whereas now, you know, and that's one of the examples that was killing me was I don't love to play with my kids. Right. I had two for a reason. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, <laughs> like there are certain things and they've learned now. And again, this is because I owned up to being the woman that I actually am. Like there are certain things I really, I don't like to play pretend. Like I don't want to play pretend rocket ship. I don't want to freaking do that. It's boring. Right. But if they ask me to do coloring or Play-Doh, they know mom's going to get down the floor in two seconds and do it. Right. Um, so I've just, again, the more self-aware you are and you own it and aren't afraid of it or ashamed of it or feel guilty, you're actually better for the people that you care about. Like they don't sure. laugh about it. They don't ever ask mom, can you play pretend? I'm like, ugh. They don't ever ask me that. Right. But if, they, if they're going to color, like, my, you want to color? I'm like, hell yeah, I, wanna, I love to color. So, sure. like, that, that's something that you, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think 
I think you said it best. I, I actually don't have anything to add to that. Just be, being self-aware and you're, you end up being better for them. And you also have to remember they, they're manipulative human beings as well, right? So they're going to try and get everything they possibly can. Yeah. Not, and that's not a bad thing. Right? No, why, why, no. Why would, you, why would you not do that? But they're going to try and get everything they possibly can. So if they could get another playmate, they're going to try and get one. And they're not, but they're also not going to be upset if they don't get their way every time, no matter how much they act like they're upset. They, they aren't. So right. I think that's good. But, yeah. All right. Yeah. New subject. Mm-hmm. We, we met, touched on sexual health. And I, I think it's funny because I read it off this list of sex topics that you can discuss. I'm like sexual health. That's, that's interesting because I think everyone would maybe define that or maybe not even have a definition for what sexual health technically is. Yeah, I think my head went directly, and maybe it's because I'm in the the sexual in the biz in, in the, the industry biz, in the in the industry of um, sex talking, right? In groups. Um, Wait, I want to relate it to what is it? Sex trafficking? If I if I related to sex trafficking, <laughs> sex trafficking. <laughs> right, keep going. Um. Uh. So like. I think of sexual health as like a much, I think of physical health, like um, reproductive health, and yeah. I think of your mental health around your sexuality. So if someone doesn't have an STI, but they, um, you know, have really, you know, antiquated views of the sexuality and they're not receiving pleasure and they don't know how to have an orgasm or then to me, I'm like, okay, that's, then, then we have to work on your sexual health. So I don't think it's just in my head. It's not just physical, but I think that's just because I'm, I do what I do. But I think most people would probably look at it like, you know, is my body healthy? <laughs> I, I immediately think of mental, oh, good. Okay. mental health and think zero about the uh, STD, STI, yeah. that kind of thing, which is, you know, I, I, I guess my definition is probably missing some as well. But when I think about it, I think about uh, your knowledge, your education around sex, mm. and then um, then your self-awareness. And um, for some reason, I think like any trauma that may prevent you from doing, and I say trauma, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. But um, But just experiences that may guide, you know, your sex, uh, activity one way or the other. I don't know. Right. Activity yeah. is the right word. But yeah, I think, uh, I, yeah, that's how I look at it like that. I think the health, the health teacher vi you know, I was a health teacher for a little bit there. And I think that's where the physical stuff comes in for me. But right. I think overall, I think I definitely go more towards the, how are you mentally around your sexuality? I think that's sure. kind of where I think more about that. Yeah. So, you want to get into it or what like like how to talk to people about what the stis well, so i i get i mean if that's the route you go then yeah i mean we could definitely talk about that i think you know as you talk about stis and stds i think they're a lot more common than everyone knows oh, i yeah. think i think it's funny because stis and stds don't always come from sex either and i and i mean sexual activity like they can come mm-hmm. from i mean like you know, herpes can come from kissing. Mm-hmm. Um, herpes can come from several different things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know all the other ones and how they're transmitted, but I know that's a common one that, like, as soon as people hear it, they're like, oh my God, so and so. And when, isn't there some like statistic, like, is it like half people or three fourths of people have some like herpes in it made in them? It just doesn't show up. Well, yeah, it depends on what herpes simplex virus you're talking about. So, like, if you've ever had chicken pox, you, you have the herpes virus in your system. Right. If you've ever had cold sores, you have the herpes virus in your system. Right. So, um, I've had women come back from um, a physical and go, oh, my God, you know, I have herpes. How do I tell my partner? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. if I, I had chicken pox, if I tested tomorrow, I would be positive as well. Right. Um, so... I think there's, again, because our sex education in the United States is so subpar, but um, you're right. There are a lot. Same with HPV, the human papillomavirus, which uh, most people 
think of the genital warts, but actual warts like on your hand that like most kids get is also a strain of of a papillomavirus. So like I feel like and so a lot of women have HPV and have no idea. Men have HPV right. and have no idea. Right. And well, it doesn't, men don't have any symptoms for HPV, correct? I mean, they could they could develop genital warts, but I think uh, I think because and this is just me. I mean, maybe I should like research this, but I feel like women can be more susceptible only because, like, anatomically speaking, I feel like we have more of an opening, like mm-hmm. more um, exposure, right, than men, but. Um, but it's also the stereotype that, you know, it's the, like we were talking about before we recorded, like, it's like the end of your life and, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to tell somebody and, you know, um, oh, what are they going to think I'm promiscuous? Only people who are promiscuous get STIs like that. You could have sex once and, and get, you could, you could not even have penetrative sex and get one. And it doesn't mean you're, you know. And with all the medicine now and the prevention, I mean, you could live your entire life totally fine and never transfer it to your partner. Sure. But it's something that you need to talk about for sure. And that, for sure. that's uh, another thing. Up. Yeah, another thing in my con- conspiracy theory about it is I think there's a lot of things that that are probably closely related, different conditions that are probably closely related that aren't all uh, involving, like you said, sexual intercourse. And because they don't have a name or enough examples of each one of them, they're kind of grouped into certain things. And that's why you have different, you know, even though it's the same thing, you have like 10 different symptoms that they all call that thing. And I'm like, well, what if those are each something different? Maybe one's less um, dangerous than another, or, or there's another one that's more dangerous than another. And they just don't have enough research to, to call, you know, to diagnose it as something different. Um, those are all things that run through my mind. And I'm like, if that's the case, like someone could have, cause this is what happens all the time, right? You can have one little something on you. I, I, you know, I don't want to make it one thing or another, but you could have one little something on you. You go do some research and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, because it's the closest related thing, this is what I have. And then, you know, you don't. Right. Um, and I think it can get really confusing when you don't know you have something. Sure. And then you, you're in a relationship. This has happened before too, where someone will go, "Oh my gosh, my I just you know my husband just tested positive for herpes, or I just tested positive for HPV, and now he's questioning where I got it from. I swear to God, I've never cheated." And a lot of STIs can lay dormant for a really long time and sometimes you might not have an outbreak and and um most stis are really most are really only contagious during typically during an an actual outbreak um but you know and sometimes they're hard to test for because it's hard to test without symptoms so a lot of times like if we're talking about hbv if we're talking about herpes or genital warts or sometimes they're going to want a culture of the sore and if you don't have it at the time sometimes it can be hard right but but i mean like yeah how how do you bring that up in a relationship um i mean it it, i the best way i don't know right because it's all going to depend on your partner like if your partner is more understanding and is going to allow you to present information to them Mm-hmm. before they freak out i think that you know you're in a you're in a much better boat than someone who you know just like you said no matter what is gonna flip off the deep end as soon as they hear that so right yeah i mean and i think it's something that you definitely want to have a conversation before you're you know sexually active um if if you think you're going to continue you know like for example and again this might not be a popular opinion at all but let's say because casual sex is okay as well right so for men and women and anyone in between casual sex is okay um but if you're if you go out one night and you end up sleeping with someone and you know you have an sti i would just use protection you know I, i don't i don't know if i would necessarily expect someone who's just sleeping with me for one night to be like 
like, let me tell you my entire history. Although I don't think there's anything wrong with asking. So for me, if I were to have be in a position where I was, you know, young and or not even young, but single, um, for me personally, even if it was a one night thing, I, I'm not sure if I would ask or just make sure we both use protection and not, you know. Right, right. Because th- here's the thing is knowing what we know and when alcohol is involved and yeah. or you're risking it not happening. Who, who else is going to tell the truth? Like, yeah, I think you need to take responsibility. I mean, if you want right. to do it that bad, you need to take responsibility for yourself and make sure that, that you're taking care of your side of it. Um, right. The best you can, if that's what, you know, if that's the risk you're willing to take, because it really is just that, you know, you're, you're taking a risk that you're not going to catch something this one time. Like you said, you, right. can, you can catch it off of just that. So. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a one night thing, I don't think I'd even have the conversation. I would just, I would just use protection, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but if you're in a long-term relationship, um, and it becomes sexual or you think it's, it's going to be continuously sexual, then, you know, because I understand that eventually when you're in a long-term relationship, a lot of times you want to stop using protection um, or, or I should say physical barrier. So a condom or something like that, you don't want to, you might not want to use them anymore because you're like, uh, I want to feel it more and right. we're in a monogamous relationship. Like, why shouldn't I, you're on the pill or I'm on this or, um, and I think that, once you make the decision to continuously be sexual and be in a serious relationship, yeah, I think it's got to be a conversation. And, and I'm not saying it's ever easy. Um, or like, but, but I also don't think it has to be that hard. I didn't mean to cut you off, but keep going. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. I think especially, especially now in 2019 and as we learn more and people are more exposed to the actual truth about, <laughs> about STIs, I think it gets less, um, intimidating, especially if you're taking ownership and control over your own sexual health. So if I had uh, herpes or HPV and I was ready to tell my partner, I'd be like, look, whether or not you stay is, is on you, but I'm, I feel like in this relationship, I care about you and I want you to know this is what I have and educate them on it. Tell them, you know, um, what you do to keep yourself safe and your partner safe and, and put them at ease. Like I have, I have friends right now that are married and one of them has an STI and they're just kind of like, it's a viral. So it's there forever. So like chlamydia, something like that is bacterial. You treat it, it's gone. But if it's viral um, and he really doesn't, it doesn't bother him. He's like, look, you know, she's, she's we're we're careful she's on medicine and and i love her and it is what it is like i don't he doesn't even think about it so i think a lot of it is making sure you educate yourself on what you have making sure you take care of yourself um and then take the proper precautions to not transmit it um to your partner yeah yeah and i'm not even sure if some of the if if people in a really long-term relationship i'm not even sure which STIs would, I'm not, I'm not even sure that every STI would even upset the partner if they got it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, for, yeah, for I, sure. I feel like, cause this specific friend I'm thinking of was like, even if I got it, Nina, like, honestly, like I love her. It's just with her. Like if we're going to be together forever, we're married, right. like the hell do I care? You know? So I think that that um, kind of, it makes a difference and yeah, no, I think it does for sure. And I think, I think just, just information about them, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you, if you go and actually do the research, like you said, with the different medicines that are out there um, with the fact that you really only hear about the worst cases of every STI too, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of STIs that having them is not, you know, as, as uh, altering of a life change as people think. Mm-hmm. once you actually get into it um so and, and that's something i had to learn too because I'm, I'm i felt like i was super naive about all all of them and then um you know as you you know you hear about this or you read about it and then you or or, you, or even worse you meet someone who's kind of mm-hmm. open about it right mm-hmm. and that caused me to go do some research and i'm like oh no wonder they're fine talking about it because it's 
not near as bad as you think. Um, right. And so I think all that contributes to, to what you're saying. Yeah, I think it, having I think, the conversation that is. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why it's so important to kind of do your own. I think most people, the reason why someone would get a set is out of fear. Like, oh my gosh, like what if I get it? You know, because clearly if there hasn't been any visual issues, <laughs> like aesthetic right. issues, right. then they have no problem sleeping with you as it is. So it's not that it's that they've seen something and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to look at that again. It's more just the fear of what if I get it? I don't, I don't understand enough about it. So by right. having the conversation, once you are really comfortable with the actual, you know, infection itself um, and how you're taking care of it and how you're the steps you're taking to prevent transmission, I think that alleviates a tremendous amount of stress that would cause a reaction from your partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Then what else around sexual health and what about the mental side of it? When you talk about, cause that, like I said, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I feel like that's like a whole episode. Like, um, I mean, the education part is what you strive for the most, right? That's what you're doing right now. Yeah. Um, I think people don't put enough thought into how their past experiences mold, you know, their sexual mental health moving forward. Because that's not something you sit, sit around and talk about with people. Right. And I think sometimes... I mean, without diving into too many personal things, even, even me who I'm super self-aware, really comfortable with sexuality, I have not always been comfortable with my own and still struggle with certain things as a, as a woman. And I- Well, because it's yours, it's your insecurity. Well, right, right. right. So, and, uh, and looking back at, um, this is actually fairly recently, actually, Alex, that I was talking to a guy friend about this and it triggered, like two or three specific instances in my past where I was like, like how, no wonder why I have issues with this or that, or this thought or, or this, you know, is like my earliest memory of that behavior was really negative. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be, wasn't abuse or anything. Um, well, I mean, maybe it was more like mental, but it was, uh, a super experienced guy that I was dating at a, at a young age and I was not um, <laughs> at all. Right, uh, right. And he really wanted to do certain things to me and I was adamantly against it because I didn't want to be seen, um, you know, as, as a slut uh, because right. slut shaming is, is a real thing. And For sure. he borderline tricked me um into doing that sounds super cryptic um en enough of it right. to where when i said no thanks i don't want it anymore his response was it's already happened like right. i've already done enough of it where you might as well go off you know do sure, everything sure, sure. Yeah, I've already yeah. done. and um and so that that method worked on me unfortunately and so um he continued to and so i it was a horrible experience i felt guilty and dirty and disgusting and um and another couple was at my house at the time his friend and my friend who was dating his friend right. and um he went and actually talked to the other guy right in front of me about what had just happened. Um, and I was mortified. So yeah. like it was, you know, I was embarrassed. I felt really dirty. Um, even though it really wasn't a dirty act, it was just, I already had my values in place and I, and I verbalized them like, Hey, you know, in my head at the time, I was like, Oh, only like those kind of girls do that stuff. Right. Right. Um, right. He basically was like, let me just do this. And it's not, it's not even the same. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah. then when I was like, okay, stop. It's exactly what I thought it was. I don't want it. It was like, well, you've already done most of it. So let's just keep going because, yeah. and then, um, so like, I forgot about that. I was young. 
Yeah, and, and I, think that, I think there's a lot of situations like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been broken up with because of um, saying no to certain things uh, and then um, be called like prude and made fun of at school the next day with, with he and all of his guy friends. And mm -hmm. so like that, it's a very conflicted message as a female to, um, especially when you grow up. And I think we've talked about this before, like you grow up as a female going, don't, don't be sexual. Don't be outwardly sexual because you're going to get slut shamed and bullied and it's a horrible thing. But then as you get older, you're expected to be comfortable, you know, Mina, be comfortable with your sexuality. You're, you're yeah. married. You should do, do everything. Like, and I'm like, yeah, but all I've ever known is not to do this and not to like this and don't say anything if it hurts and, and don't speak up and tell him what you like, because it's not about you. It's about him. Right. And so right. That was like, like a 20 some odd year mind fuck and now i'm supposed to like undo it and yeah. it's really hard yeah I, and, and you know what it's it's hard to say exactly what to do about that obviously those types of situations are wrong no matter how you yeah. look at it but but when you talk about protecting you know young people from making certain mistakes i think that's where that line is walked on whether it's slut shaming or you're protecting them and keeping away from things they're probably just not ready for mentally mm -hmm. um or you know whatever so it's 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 tough on that end um especially for girls because guys obviously aren't looked at the same way right um the hard part for guys is living up to the um the myth of what you're supposed to be like as a guy Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. uh, it's a total different, um, a total different like stereotype. And the problem is those two stereotypes are working against each other, right? Big time. Big so, time. Yep. Well, I think there's a lot of times when guys even feel pressure to do stuff before they're ready because you feel like you're supposed to. Yeah. And, and like to be cool, if you're not doing this, then you're gay. Or if you're not doing this, then, you know, you're not cool or whatever. Right. So it's it's funny that you have two two sides working against each other in that, um, and no one's getting enough education on any of it, and yeah. you're just creating situations of trauma, which is the other side of the mental of the sexual yeah. health that we're talking about. So it is crazy. It's it's something that you know when you put it like that, it's something that definitely needs to be looked at um, on how young people are educated. I don't want to just say kids because it's not just kids. Some people you know, get to, you know, early twenties without having sex and yeah, or, or, you know, are having traumatic incidents much younger. So, mm -hmm. you know, getting education to everyone is, is important. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, um, you know, people like, like me who don't necessarily have, uh, you know, textbook sexual abuse history um it doesn't mean that there haven't been other instances in our lives that have absolutely negatively shaped our sexuality so you know i think during the whole like me too movement um i remember feeling super conflicted where i felt like like i never talked i never um engaged in the hashtag thing or anything but I've absolutely had instances where I was, uh, you know, where there was types, a spectrum of assault. Um, and I think that most women have, but I feel like it was almost like, well, mine wasn't bad enough. So I'm not, I'm not going to participate because I felt like I wasn't worthy of being able to hashtag that because I wasn't raped or or molested or something right. like that so it was a weird it was a weird thing for me i i think i downplayed a lot of the stuff i've been through because they weren't blatant um uh, i guess what people associate with abuse or or rape or or something like that um or assault but looking back at it i mean technically it, i i absolutely have been um right. Right. coerced 
coerced yeah. into doing things. Um, you know, so I think that's the mental piece around our sexuality. Most of us exist predominantly in the dark where fear, shame, and guilt live. And so yeah. a lot of what I do is by talking about it, it shines a light on all of that so that they can't live there anymore. You know, fear and shame and guilt live in the dark. So if right, we talk about sure. this, if we talk about this stuff and turn the light on, then people won't have to live like that anymore. Yeah, feel that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes. Is <laughs> the answer to all that. I mean, there's, no, there's really nothing to say in opposition or that needs in support of it. It's, yeah, it's good. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's probably we we lay what do we list like four or five things, but then went you know as deep as we could on those yeah. two. So it might be good. Yeah. Today. Yeah, I think you know. I always think like whenever we start, it's usually like if you can come up with one or two topics, we usually we usually no, go off on enough tangents. We're, like, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this, and we're going to talk about like the well, this one we talked about the first one and the last one, didn't get to any of the middle ones. So. That's okay. There's def definitely some of the other ones, like the whole sexual fluidity thing. That that can that can be something in tone. Yeah, last a bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well. Good. Well. Real, t <clears throat> sorry, real talk with <laughs> Nina. Um, thank you so much again. Thank you. See you soon. And you can find her at Real Talk with Nina on, on everything. Yeah. And um, hopefully you've already found me on Alt Bash, U-L-T-B-A-C-H. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.